have faith in the blood covenant. What do you mean by that? Well, let, let's talk about covenant there. Have faith in the blood covenant. The Bible is centered around two blood covenants that God set up and that God honors. You need to understand that. The Bible is centered around two blood covenants that God set up and that God honors. You got the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. That's what a covenant is. It's a testament. When you think testament, think like your last will and testament. What does your will and testament do? It ensures that your wishes are honored even after your death. Okay? So it's like a will and testament. So it's called the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. And then you have the New Testament. The new covenant. Now, follow me for just a little bit so I don't get lost and neither do you. When God gave the law, all of the commandments, all the thou shall and thou shall nots, and when God set up all of the rituals that were tied and connected to his law, the law of God was revealing his righteous standard and his expectation for mankind. And one of the reasons God gave the law is one of the roles that God occupies is that of a judge. And it would be unjust for God to judge us for breaking a law that we didn't know was a law. Okay. So when you think of the law and all of the commandments, think of it like uh, the speed limit on the highway. The speed limit does not keep you from speeding. It just lets you know when you are. The speed limit also empowers the judge to be able to fine you depending on how much you broke the speed limit. That's what the law was. The law was given so we would know what the standard is and more importantly so we would know when we have failed the standard of God's righteousness and God's desire for our lives. So God wouldn't be able to judge you for lying if he hadn't put thou shalt not lie. He wouldn't be able to judge you for committing adultery if he didn't put thou shalt not commit adultery. You understand what I'm saying? Now, when God gave the law, in his mercy and his grace, he knew that because of the weakness of our flesh nature, even though he gave the law and made it clear, we would not be able to keep it as human beings in the weakness of the flesh. So along with the law, in the Old Testament, he set up a sacrifice system. Okay? And this sacrifice system was based on people believing that it would work and then them adding their personal works and efforts to it to make the system work. And here's how it worked. If someone had sinned, they would bring an animal to the temple. They would stand in front of a priest. There was all types of rituals and all types of things that would happen. And the priest would lay his hands on the man, and the man would confess his sin. Then the priest would lay his hands on the animal and speak the sins that the man committed over the animal. Okay. Then the priest would kill the animal and shed its blood. 
And God took the innocence that was on that animal, because an animal can't sin. I know you think your dog is a sinner, but it's not. An animal cannot sin. So, so God would take the innocence that was on the animal and confer it over to the person. Take the guilt of the person, confer it over to the animal. The animal would die the death in judgment that the person deserved, and the person would walk out living the life in the innocence of the animal. That's, you know, in a nutshell, the Old Testament, Old Covenant sacrifice system. So when God first gave the law and set up the Old Testament, uh, in order for a, a testament or a will to be active, you need a death. In other words, uh, like my boys are going to inherit my house, but they can't evict me tomorrow because I'm still alive. In order for my will to be in force and active toward them, I got to die. Okay. It's the same with any will and testament. In order for a testament to be put in force, there has to be death. And in the Bible, death is signified by blood, because where you see a whole lot of blood, there's been a death. So look at Exodus chapter 24, verse 8. Moses gets up, and he reads the law, and he reads the tenets of the sacrifice system. Basically, he's reading the will. And Moses took the blood. He had, he had killed some animals. He took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. Notice what he said. This is the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you according to all of these words. So that Old Testament, that Old Covenant was ratified and put into action, put into force by the death of animals and their blood being sprinkled. And God was telling the people, as long as you obey this sacrifice system that I've set up. When you sin against my law, I will forgive your sins. When I see you bring those animals to the temple, when I see the priest shed their blood, I will forgive your sin. And that Old Testament system was in force from the book of Exodus all the way till the time of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus came, he started preaching a new law a new will, and a new testament. You understand what I'm saying here? Look at uh, John 13, 34. Look at what Jesus said, John 13, 34. And I'm going to wait for him because I, I really want you to see it on the screen. John 13, 34. Look at what Jesus said. A new commandment. Read that part with me. A new Read it like you had a triple espresso from Starbucks. A new commandment I give you. Okay, now, this is not the first time Jesus said this. All through Jesus' messages, he's starting to interject a new commandment. He's starting to preach a new message. He's starting to preach things that they had never heard before. What was he doing? Was he just preaching? No. He was setting up the contract, the tenets of a new will and testament. In fact, Jesus started to preach grace to people who were consumed with the law and the sacrifice system. Jesus started to preach that 
the new way to be forgiven by God of your sin was not to bring an animal to church and have a priest kill it for you. That the new way to be forgiven of your sin was to have faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus even started forgiving people's sins without using the old covenant, the old sacrifice system. Let me give you an example of this. Look at Matthew 9, verses 2 through 6. This is crazy, and it's some of what started the controversy that would end up in Jesus getting crucified. Then, behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. That's the first time anybody's had the the boldness and the gall to look at a person who doesn't have an animal with them. They didn't bring an animal to a priest. They didn't go through the rituals. They didn't obey the law. And, and yet someone's looking at him and saying, your sins are forgiven you. Look what happened. At once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. Why are they saying that he blasphemes? Because every Jew knew the old covenant and how the old covenant works with the law and the sacrifice system. So when they heard Jesus, look at a man. This man ain't got no animal with him. He's paralyzed. He's not at the temple. He, he's not going through the rituals of ceremonial washing and cleansing. He's not obeying any of the tenets of the old covenant. And yet Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, go to your house. Okay. So Jesus is revealing now there's something new in this new will and testament. There's something new in this new covenant. Now it's not based on me bringing my own sacrifice to atone for my sins. Now it's based on me believing and receiving what Jesus has done. So Jesus spent three and a half years preaching and establishing this new covenant or your New Testament Bible. But in order to ratify it, in order to set it in action, in order to put it in force, there had to be a death. You remember the first testament? Moses had to kill those animals and sprinkle the blood because there's got to be a death to put a will in force. Same thing here. Jesus has established and written a new covenant, a new contract, a new agreement with mankind, but now there's got to be a death to put it in force. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. 15 through 18. It's going to say a lot prettier what I just said. Hebrews chapter 9. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a... Come on now. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a... That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance... Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Next verse. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Next. 
because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. So understand this. When Jesus shed his blood by dying on the cross, and you have to understand this, you have to have faith in this, not only was he dying in that moment on the cross, but the blood he was shedding was going to ratify and enact and set in force a new covenant between God and mankind in the earth. Now, this new covenant took us out of the law and the sacrifice system, which was done by faith that it would work and then your individual works, and moved us into grace where by faith alone we receive salvation and acceptance by God. Look at Romans 6, 14. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now, he's talking about your position here. He's talking about which covenant is in force here, which will and testament is in force here over your life. You, ladies and gentlemen, are not under the law anymore. You are under, positionally, the grace covenant of God sealed, ratified, and put in action by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. So when I put my faith in the sacrifice, not that I bring to God for my own redemption. A lot of people get hung up on that. When you put your faith in the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you, then positionally you are standing under the grace covenant of God, and the grace covenant of God is enacted in your life. Look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore... Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this, into this, into this, wherein we stand. So you're standing in a position of grace when you set your faith on the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you, and you're living under the new covenant. Now, I want to talk to you about the power of a blood covenant. What's it mean? What does it do? Now, in order to show you the power, how strong the blood covenant is that you're standing under because of what Jesus did, in order to show you how powerful it is, I wanted to take you back and show you how powerful the old blood covenant was. Because if the old blood covenant was strong and it was being used by just the blood of animals, then how much stronger is the new blood covenant that has been ratified and sealed and put into action by the blood of Jesus Christ, the righteous, the only son of God? Okay. But, but everything I'm going to say about the blood covenant, it's true whether you look at the old or whether you look at the new. These things translate. The only thing that changed was the method, all right? And, and the method got stronger in the new than it was in the old. But let's look at this. In our text, as I told you, the evil king Balak has hired this backslidden prophet to try to curse the people of God. On his way to curse them, the Lord fills the prophet's mouth with a word. 
In verse 19, this is the word. God is not a man that he should lie. This is Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Now, we love to quote that. If you grew up in church, you've heard that said many times, God is not a man that he should lie. But really what God is, is reminding this prophet and, and, and announcing to Balak and his people is that something's already been spoken. I can't undo what's been spoken or I'll tell a lie. Okay. So he's talking about the covenant here. He said, there's a covenant that's already in force. There's an agreement that I've already made and given my word to. So if I were to go back and allow them to be cursed, I would be lying because in my covenant, I already blessed them. So God is not a man that he should lie. Watch nor a son of man that he should repent. To repent means to turn and go another way. God is saying, I've already established a covenant. I can't turn around and go a different way with them. The covenant's already been established. What this is bringing out is that God is not schizophrenic and he's not two-faced. If God starts something with you, he's going to stay with you all the days of your life. If God starts working on you, he's going to keep working on you all the days of your life. Or to bring it to New Testament terms, he that began a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ or until the end of the age. God wouldn't have started going down the road with you if he didn't mean to complete the entire journey. So all of this stuff of wondering if God's still with you and if God is still for you and if God's mad at you or if God's changed his mind about you, he's telling the prophet, I'm not a man, I can't lie, and I'm not a son of man, I can't repent, turn around and go in another direction. In other words, I wouldn't have started it with them unless I intended to finish it with them and keep them every step along the way. Not a man that he can lie, not a son of man that he can repent. And then in verse 20, he said, behold, I have received a command to bless he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. I'm going to just read it again because I'm starting to feel something. I need to stay in my teaching mode, but I got something just coming up both of my toes. He, he said, he, 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 he said I, I have received a command to bless them. And he has blessed them. And regardless how much money you paid me, I cannot reverse what God has spoken. I know you want to curse them. I know you want to hex them. I know you want to hinder them. I know you want to block them. I know you want to stop them. And I want to do that for you as well because you paid me good money. But the problem is I cannot curse what God God has blessed. In fact, he has commanded a blessing on them. I've been commanded to speak blessing over them, and it cannot be reversed. Point number one, what's a blood covenant do? What's a blood covenant do? It commands a blessing 
that cannot be reversed. Get with me upstairs. Put that up there. Point number one, what's a blood covenant do? The blood covenant commands a blessing that cannot be reversed. Take a picture of that. Look at that. Text it. Write it. Understand it. Get it in your spirit. The blood covenant commands a blessing that cannot be reversed. Lift up your right hand. Say, I'm blessed and it cannot be reversed. No, with power, say, I'm blessed and it cannot be reversed. I'm blessed and it cannot be reversed. My house is blessed and it cannot be reversed. My children are blessed and it cannot be reversed. My health is blessed and it cannot be reversed. I am blessed and it cannot be reversed. Now, when Balaam saw them, let me make, let me make sure what, what, you, what he didn't see. I want you to understand what he didn't see. Let me make sure you know what he's not talking about. He didn't look at him and notice that manna was falling down every morning and say, oh, they're blessed. He didn't look at him and notice that quail was blowing in to feed him every night and say, oh, they're blessed. He didn't notice that mysterious rock that Paul taught about that followed them in the wilderness and gave them water when they were thirsty. He didn't see that rock and say, ooh, they are blessed. He didn't notice all the gold that when God gave them favor to go to the Egyptians and borrow and the Egyptians loaded them down with all of their gold and all of their wealth. He didn't look at the stockpile of all their gold and their wealth and say, ooh, they're blessed. He looked at him and he said, they are blessed because God himself is with them. And I want you to understand, you are blessed this morning, not because of your stuff. You are blessed this morning because God is with you. The blessing isn't in the stuff. In fact, you could take the stuff away. We'd still be blessed. Let me ask you something. Have you ever lost something that you didn't think you could lose and you didn't think you could live without, and then you lost it and you live a while and you realize, I'm still blessed? Because the blessing isn't in anything or any person. The blessing is in the presence of God that goes with you. The blessing is God's decision in spite of all of your failures and all of your weaknesses and all of your mess, God's decision to put his presence in the same space as you are. And wherever his presence is, the blessing will follow. The blessing is not the stuff. The stuff is a byproduct of being connected to the presence of God. He said they're blessed and I cannot reverse it. Verse 21, God has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. Point number two, the blood covenant conceals sins. Okay. Number one, it commands a blessing that cannot be reversed. Number two, it conceals sin. Now, he was saying, here's why I can't curse them. I can't curse them. Because God's looking at him, and he don't see any iniquity, and he don't see any wickedness. Now, if you read their story, these were some of the most wicked people. If you read their story, 
these people, all the time, they were doing stuff they shouldn't have done. They were doing stuff that violated the law of God. All the time, they were failing and falling. Iniquity was there. Wickedness was there. But he said, I, I, I can't see it. I can't observe any iniquity, and I can't see any wickedness. Why couldn't he see it? Class. Because these people, broken and messed up as they were, understood and believed in the blood covenant. That when I fail, if I take an animal to the temple and I go through the rituals prescribed in the law and the animal is slain, then that animal has received my judgment that I deserve. And when God looks at me, he sees me as innocent as that animal. They had confidence in it. They had faith. With their crazy selves, they had confidence in it. They had faith in it. With their broken selves, with their flawed selves, with their sinful selves, they had confidence. They had faith in it. And they believed that the blood covenant will conceal the sin. Okay. The blood covenant conceals the sin. Look at Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 32 Verses 1 and 2. If ever there were a true scripture, this is one. Psalm 32, 1 and 2. He says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's what a blood covenant does. It covers or it conceals the sin that's there. Amen. Point number three, the blood covenant confers strength. You better hear this, preacher. I said the blood covenant confers strength. Verse 22, he said God brings them out of Egypt and they got strength like a wild ox. Numbers 23, 22. God brings them out of Egypt. They've got strength like a wild ox. God brings them out of Egypt. They got strength like a wild ox. Listen to me, everybody that's weak in your mind, weak in your mental health, weak in your emotions, weak in your physical body. Let me tell you what you have access to because of your blood covenant you have with God. You have access to the strength of a wild ox. Listen to me. An ox can pull double his weight. They average about 3,000 pounds, but they can pull 6,000 pounds plus their own weight. You can handle three times more than the enemy can attack you with. You can handle three times more the burden that the enemy will ever be able to put on you in a lifetime. You can stop saying, I can't handle this. I can't survive this. I can't take this. You have no idea how much you can handle. You've been given the strength of a wild 
wild ox simply because you have faith in the blood covenant. This is what the blood covenant does. It commands a blessing that cannot be reversed. It conceals sin. And number three, it confers the strength of a wild ox over your life. You can handle three times more. You can handle three times more. And that's good news because you can handle three times more blessing. God blesses you according to your capacity. So you have the capacity to be three times more blessed right now. I'm not even talking about if you apply certain principles and certain other spiritual laws. I'm talking about right there where you're sitting, you have the capacity for three times more. You have the capacity for a triple salary. You have the capacity for triple the responsibilities at work and triple the pay. You have the capacity to do three times more this year than your life would accomplish normally. You have the capacity because you are as strong as a wild ox. Everybody fighting depression, listen to me. You're as strong as a wild ox. Everybody fighting anxiety, you're as strong as a wild ox. If you could see in the spirit what you looked like, the stuff that is tormenting you and worrying you and causing you to fear, the stuff that's wrong with you, it would just fall away from your mind like water running down a mountain. You have the strength of a wild ox because because of the blood covenant. I want you to put your hand right here on your chest. I want you to say, I have in my spirit, my soul, and my body right now the strength of a wild ox. I am as strong as a wild ox. In fact, I look like a wild ox. If you could see me on the inside, I look like a wild ox. Now put a big smile on your face. Look somebody dead in the eye and say, neighbor. No, say, neighbor. Yeah, I'll preach with me. Say, neighbor. You look like, exactly like, a wild ox. Give God praise all over the house. The blood covenant commands a blessing that cannot be reversed. The blood covenant commands a blessing that cannot be reversed. The blood covenant commands a blessing that cannot be reversed. Some of you tried to get out of it. Some of you tried to walk away from God after you came to God, but you found out this thing with God cannot be reversed. God will follow you out of the church. He'll follow you into the club. He'll follow you into the bar. He'll follow you into the drug den. He'll follow you into the hospital. When he said, my goodness and my mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, he meant it. The blood covenant cannot be be reversed. Those children that you're worried about, you dedicated them to God. They gave their life to Jesus when they was little. They may be going crazy right now, but the blood covenant cannot be reversed. I said the blood covenant cannot be reversed. Have faith in the blood covenant. Have confidence in the blood covenant. Have surety in the blood covenant. Rest in the blood covenant. It's been ratified. It has been sealed. It is in force. It is in action. Have faith. I'm blessed and it cannot be reversed.
The blood covenants conceals your sin. Stop going to God with your lip out. Stop going to God in shame. We come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain grace to help and find the strength that we need in the times of need. We come to God boldly, not because we're perfect. God knows we aren't perfect. And the reason he knows we're not perfect is why he set up a blood covenant. The blood covenant is there because you have issues. The blood covenant is there because you fail and fall. The blood covenant is there because you can't get it right sometimes. The blood covenant is there because conceals your sin. Number three, it confers on you strength, 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 strength. The word of the Lord last Wednesday night through our bishop while he was in the prophetic is that you are getting only stronger and stronger. I speak that, I echo that in the mouth of two or three separate witnesses. Let every word be established. The Lord says to you in this house today, hear the word of the Lord. You are getting stronger and stronger. Everybody that's going through a circumstance right now that's making you feel weak, hear the word of the Lord. You are getting stronger and stronger. It starts right now. You start to feel it right now. That situation starts to change right now. In the name of Jesus, because of the blood covenant, you are getting stronger and stronger. Now, I need you to shake somebody on the shoulder. Find somebody you can shake. Find somebody you can shake. If you don't know nobody, go and grab an usher. Find somebody you can shake and tell them you're getting stronger and stronger. No, holler at them. You're getting stronger and stronger. Holler at them. You're getting stronger and stronger. Holler at them. You're getting stronger Stronger, stronger, stronger. What about inflation? I'm getting stronger and stronger. What about the economy? I'm getting stronger and stronger. What about COVID surges? I'm getting stronger and stronger. What about my business? I'm getting stronger and stronger. What about my health? I'm getting stronger and stronger. What if I get sick? Then I'll get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Stronger. Get up on your feet, open up your mouth, and shout, Stronger! Strong, 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 strong! The strength of God, the promise of God, the goodness of God, the blessing of God, all made available to me from God by the tenets of a blood covenant. I'm stronger! Give God a praise right where you're standing. Strength is coming. Strength is coming. Strength. Is, oh, hey, strength is. Hey, strength. Stronger, 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 stronger. My finances are getting stronger. My savings accounts getting stronger. My investments are getting stronger. I'm not talking about what's happening with everybody else. I'm talking about what's happening with you. Everybody else may be getting weaker, but you will in this season, in this time, 
in this economy, in this moment, only grow stronger and stronger. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody need to dance right there. Somebody need to shout right there. Somebody need to clap right there. The strength. stress-free. I didn't see, I didn't say you would be burden-free. In fact, do you know how to measure strength? Strength is measured by how much weight you're able to push. And some of you have noticed that the weight mentally has increased. The weight in your soul has increased. That the heaviness on you has increased. But the Lord said, it's a sign that you need to recognize how much strength I've put on you because of the blood covenant. You are strong enough to handle this. You are strong enough to move forward through this. You are strong enough to take this. And not only are you strong enough now, the promise is you will get stronger. Why? Because of a signed document in heaven, sealed and ratified by blood, a covenant in force and active. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Number four. The blood covenant cancels every curse. I said the blood covenant cancels every curse. I said the blood covenant cancels every curse. There's all kind of curses in life. Bible talks about a lot of them. They're real curses. If you steal something, the Bible said it's a curse. If you commit adultery, the Bible said a curse, a mark is put on you spiritually. There's all kind of curses in the Bible. Just curses in the Bible. When man fell in the garden, God said, cursed is the ground. Okay. There's, all, there's all kind of curses in the Bible. They're generational curses. God, God talked about generational curses in the Old Testament when he said the fathers ate sour grapes, but the children's teeth was set on edge. Okay. That, that there's something that, that if you don't have victory over it in your life, that struggle and that challenge gets passed down to your children. Okay. There's all types of sexual curses. Molestation is a curse. You didn't want it. You didn't ask for it. 
but someone put that on you. It's a curse. Uh, uh, having all kind of infidelity and all kind of uh, failures and commitments, it's a curse. It puts something on you. It's a curse. There's all kind of curses in life. There's, there's curses some of you have fought all of your life that belong to your grandmama or your granddaddy or your great-grandparents. They follow you for four generations. Okay. Some stuff... You're fighting, you don't even know where it came from because your parents or your grandparents never told you about what they were dealing with. So this stuff that comes up in your mind, the stuff that comes up in your mental health, the stuff that comes, it's hardwired into your DNA. When you got here, you came here destined to fight that battle and face that curse. But when you came into contact with faith in the blood of Jesus, Faith in the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, did something to every curse you've ever encountered, every curse you've ever partnered with, every curse the enemy tries to put on you or people try to put on you. The blood covenant cancels. Every curse. Folks. Do you realize in your sanctified mind, do you realize in your brilliant mind that all morning I've been preaching to you about the power of a blood covenant and I've been showing you what it did in the Old Testament with the blood of animals. If the blood covenant of old was so powerful that it commanded a blessing that couldn't be reversed, that it concealed sin, that it conferred strength, and that it canceled every curse. Ladies and gentlemen, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, poured out on Calvary's cross for our redemption, our justification, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ amplify every one of these tenets, commanding a blessing that cannot be reversed? I speak it over your life in the name of Jesus, a blessing that cannot be reversed. How much more shall it conceal your sin? How much more shall it confer strength? How much more shall it cancel every curse? He said, I'm sorry, king. There is no sorcery against Israel. There's no divination against Jacob. I, I can't do nothing with them because they got issues, but they have faith in the blood covenant. When I told you last week, and I thought it fell a little short, so that's why I came back with it this week. When I told you last week to have faith in the grace of God, I wanted to come back this week and tell you why you should. There's a blood covenant that you didn't start and that has nothing to do with your works or your actions. 
There is a blood covenant that was signed and ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood covenant is something you can access by faith, by believing in it, by having confidence in it. You know what it means? It means refusing to walk around in condemnation when you fail. Because you know, I got a blood covenant with God. It means refusing to bow to fear. Whether your president says it, or whether a new president that you like or dislike says it, or whether a governor says it, whether a school superintendent says it, whether a mayor says it, I have a blood covenant with God. I'm as strong as a wild ox. I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. Because I looked, I looked in the testament. I looked in the testament. And that testament guarantees me a blessing that is commanded. It can't be reversed. That my, my sin is concealed. Okay? That the strength is conferred to me. And that no curse, no curse can stick to me because of the blood of Jesus. You got this covenant. You have this covenant. You have this beautiful contract written and signed by God himself, put into force and into action on Calvary's cross when Jesus shed his blood. Have faith in the blood covenant. Have faith in the blood covenant. No matter what you've done, no matter what sins you've committed, no matter what's on you, no matter what curses are hounding you and trying to, trying to follow you in your life, have faith in the blood covenant. Every benefit of the covenant is instantly released to you the moment you begin to set your faith on it and set your confidence in it. Stand to your feet. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood, and Lord Jesus, we thank you for a commanded blessing that cannot be reversed. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for concealing our sin. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for conferring strength. We thank you, Jesus, that the blood cancels every curse. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here today and you want to reaffirm, recommit your faith in the blood covenant. You want to pray in accordance to Romans 10 when Paul said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus in faith shall be saved and brought into that covenant. Raise up your hand if that's you. If you want to pray, if you raised up your hand, pray this prayer with me, Lord Jesus. In obedience to your word, I confess with my mouth that I have believed in my heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died for my sin, that he was raised by the power of the Father, 
And today he lives to make intercession for me. Today I take part in and put my confidence in the blood covenant that you made. I receive the blessing right now that cannot be reversed. I receive the forgiveness of my sin. I receive the strength. And I receive this power that cancels every curse. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Give the Lord a great hand all over the room. Lift our hands before we leave. You are my strength. Oh, yes. Strength like no other. Strength like no other. Reaches. Come on, if you know the song, lift your voice up loud. Sing, you are my hope. the most beautiful choir. Reaches. Reaches. Come on, one more time. Everybody sing unfailing love. Unfailing love. Stronger than mountains. Stronger than mountains. Deeper than ocean. Praise all over the house today.
Amen. For everyone in the building who has lost something, you had a major loss recently. Put Zechariah chapter 9, verse 11 and 12 on the screen. Listen to me if you've lost. Listen to me. If your heart's still hurting from the loss, this is the fifth benefit of a blood covenant. Again, this is in the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, please, upstairs. Zechariah chapter 9. As for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have set forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein there is no water. Next verse, verse 12. Turn you to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare, I will render double unto thee. How did he start that? He said, I'm doing this because of the blood covenant. I had no idea that the blood covenant guaranteed I would receive double what I lost. That, that God would set his, because of the blood covenant, that God would set his eye on what afflicts me and what wounds me and what hurts me, what's taken from me, what's stolen from me, and that he would add it up and send double what I lost back to me. That he would send me double payment for the affliction that I've been through. That he would send me double for the nights that I had to suffer and cry. That's a part. That's, that's what he said. He said, because of the blood covenant. Put that, <clears throat> put Zechariah 9, 11, and 12 on the screen. This time, put it in the message translation. This time, put it in the message. Let's, let's get a little clearer. Let's get a little clearer. Let's just break it all the way down to kindergarten clear. Zechariah 9. Okay, look at this. And you, because of my... I know I preach long and you're tired, but stay with me. One more scripture. Because of my blood covenant with you, I'll release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. There's a lot of people that are in this room and you have been in a cell. You've been behind the bars of hopelessness. God said, I'm going to release you today. You got your release papers today. Those of you that have been in a cell of your own mind and mental health and emotion, listen, you got your release papers today. He said, I'm going to release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. Come home, watch, hope-filled. He said, you've been prisoners, but come home hope-filled. This very day, I'm declaring a double bonus. Listen to me. This is prophetic. I am declaring over your life today. You can receive it or you cannot. It's up to you. I am declaring over your life today a double bonus in the name of Jesus because of the blood covenant. This very day, I am declaring a double bonus Everything you lost returned. <sighs> Folks, do you see the power? 
of a blood covenant that belongs to you. It is yours by faith in what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. So, Father, I release the blessing. I release the blessing. I release the blessing over their lives in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you. I pray you have an incredible week. If you have something you would like to give and sow into the work of the ministry this week, you can bring an offering down here. If you want to use your phone, you can text an offering. Sowing in this season, especially in this month, in this time where heaven is open is so impactful, so important. I just want to give you the opportunity if you want to partner with the kingdom of God and your finances to avail yourself of that blessing. God loves you. We love you. We release the blessing of the Lord over your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You're dismissed.